everybody, and welcome to another edition of RG Weekly, our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, modern orthodoxy, and everything else in between. My name is Ruben Spolter. I'm here stuck in my sukkah. I'm with Rabbi Johnny Solomon and Rabbi Mali Brovsky, who are not in their sukkot, as uh, maybe if you're watching this, you can see. That's a new feature of the podcast. We are very, very excited to have with us our first ever guest, Dr. Shuki Friedman. Dr. Shuki Friedman is the director of the Center for Religion, Nation, and State at the Israel Democracy Institute. He has a long bio. You can search for it on his, uh, on just search for Shuki Friedman on Google. It'll take you to uh, the Israel Democracy Institute. And the reason why we asked Dr. Friedman to join us is because we want to talk about a topic that uh, hasn't really made much press in Israel, especially with the closure and with Corona, but it's a, it's a really, really interesting fundamental issue that's been going on literally for years. And I want to just give it in a nutshell, and then Dr. Friedman will tell me uh, where, I, where I misunderstood and uh, what, the real, what the real story is. The story surrounds the case of Rav Shmuel Eliyahu. Rav Shmuel Eliyahu is a, is a, I would say, is a firebrand. He's a very, very outspoken person. He's the chief rabbi of Tzfat. And uh, I suppose, in addition to being a very, very well-known leader in the religious Zionist community and the member of the of the Mu'etzet, uh, of the Rabbanut Rashid, of the Council of the Chief Rabbis of Israel, he also, uh, as the Chief Rabbi of Tzavad, has made statements that have bordered on, well, definitely have offended many, many people, but also have bordered on, well, I, I'll let Dr. Dr. Uh, Friedman describe them, but he's made statements about not renting apartments in Tzavad, in Tzavad to Arabs. He's made statements about women serving in the army, statements that have generally not just offended, but bordered on his role as a public figure and his ability to speak out as a, as a public figure in, in the Jewish world today. And so his, his, uh, his supporters have said, what are you talking about? It says in the Shulchan Aruch, it says in the Code of Jewish Law, a Jew is not allowed to sell an apartment in Eretz Yisrael, house in Eretz Yisrael to a non-Jew. So how can you criticize the chief rabbi of Tzfat for teaching Shulchan Aruch? So this case, as it was been, uh, an, an arm of the reform movement sued the government to discipline Rav Eliyahu for violating the law. Am I, am I correct that that's yep. the way it was? It made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And uh, last week or two weeks ago, just recently, the Supreme Court issued a judgment in which Rav Eli, the, 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 the decision issued stated that on the one hand, Rav Eliyahu did not violate the law, he was not subject to legal proceedings, but he was subject to disciplinary proceedings for the things that he said. And obviously this causes an, causes an outrage on all sides. On the one hand, on the, on the democratic side or the, the secular side, how could he not be violating laws about speech? On the, on the religious side, I would just uh, saw, in our, saw in a couple of articles recently, there were protests and 1500 young people and 150 rabbis signed these signed petitions supporting Rabbi Eliyahu and his right as a rabbi to speak in Israel. So Dr. Freeman, what we're going to do is I'll ask you just to sort of give us your understanding and your background of the case. And where does it stand? Like, what, the, the, does the Israeli public care about this that much? Is this one of these things that's, you know, interesting the, 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 theoretically, but not really interesting practically? Or does it have real implications in Israel moving forward? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for hosting me in this uh, interesting blog and I'm, I'm happy to be aware of the blog and, uh, and really deeply appreciate you the work you do uh, to bring in uh, um, these topics to the uh, Anglos in Israel, which is really important. 
Um, so for the uh, subject matter, I think uh, Rabbi um, Eliyahu for many years is one of the uh, leading rabbis within the line of the uh, chief rabbinate is, as you mentioned, uh, an official. He's a civil servant, actually, because he's the chief rabbi of Zafat, uh, which is uh, um, being nominated uh, by the chief rabbinate and by the state and being uh, fine to get a salary from the state. And therefore, uh, the court uh, dressed and uh, considered him to be a civil servant. And the case was actually quite interesting because it dealt with the question of the freedom of speech and freedom of religion that a civil servant and a rabbi, persons that actually uh, wearing two hats, have uh, under the laws of the State of Israel and the disciplinary law of the uh, civil service. So uh, I think the uh, appeal, and, and just to correct one point, which is important, basically addressed uh, the question of disciplinary procedures and not criminal procedures. There have been in the past some uh, um, approaches to uh, general attorney to sentence Rabbi Eliyahu for uh, his uh, um, speech against Arabs in some cases, uh, but uh, it would have been rejected. They uh, appeal we are discussing Wait, now. They wanted him to indict Rabbi Eliyahu yeah. for incitement, basically, for incitement. Yeah. What's the criminal, some, what's yeah, the crime? There are some criminal offenses in Israel that uh, um, um, deal with the uh, um, freedom of speech and limitation of freedom of speech. One of them is uh, uh, limiting racist speech, which considered to be one of the things that uh, Rabbi Eliyahu said in the past. And it's not, it didn't happen finally because the freedom of speech uh, uh, was in these cases, according to the Attorney General, uh, not being breached and, and there been no uh, criminal offenses. But in the court case, the appeal addressed the Chief Rabinet and its procedure of um, um, disciplinary um, um, sentence for the rabbis, and they basically um, asked the court to order the civil service and the chief rabbinate to sentence in a disciplinary, disciplinary uh, procedure, Rabbi Yao, and this actually been given to the reform movement who appealed, and uh, the court ordered to sentence him. In disciplinary procedure. Now, Wait, let, let me actually, understand. They ordered yeah. him to, to to sentence him, or they ordered them to conduct a disciplinary hearing, and then decide what to do. The hearing hearing in in this case is is basically the sentence. I mean, disciplinary hearing is the procedure. Now they have to start the procedure, and, and the order can't intervene in the result, of course. But so far, the chief rabbinate have prevented of even start this procedure and then they ordered them to do that. But this is not really important. What is important is uh, the, uh, the substance, which is what are the um, role of a chief rabbi in a city and also a chief rabbi of the state of Israel, both Sephardi and Ashkenazi, um, and it's his obligation to uh, obey the law in Israel on one hand, and to stick to the law in Israel on one hand, and his uh, commitment and obligation 
to fulfill his conscience of following the Torah orders and following the Torah teachings. And when he should basically is what court uh, in a way said, prevent of speaking on or instructing to do things that he think should be the halacha in, cer in certain cases when it contradicts um, some state values like uh, it's racism, like it might hurt uh, uh, certain communities like uh, um, the LGBT community or women. So what is the border of the freedom of speech, not of the general public? We, the, the court didn't address or didn't consider the rabbi, rabbi Eliyahu to be uh, a, a free rabbi that teach in his Beit Midrash, but rather a civil servant. And because he's an employee servant, of the state of Israel. Right. So and what's and that distinction? Servant. So where's the line? Where did the court decide the line is between his, yeah. his role as a rabbi and his role as a civil mm -hmm. servant? So before we get to the line and, and to the court decision, um, which is important, of course, uh, let's, let's delve a bit more into the dilemma. I think, you know, if you look, look to the history of the chief rabbinate, it's very interesting how it's been shared because basically... And Rabbi Cook uh, uh, established the chief rabbinate of the state of Israel. Uh, he thought it to be the bridge uh, that will gap as uh, um, enlarging gap, but but the existing gap between secularists and the Torah. And uh, if you can you can read it in the chief rabbinate side, Rabbi Cook uh, uh, actually saw the rabbinate as the um, entities not only gives institutional. Uh, services, religious services to this public in Israel, but also the entities that bring to Judaism all secular people and show them the brightness and the light in the, within Judaism. And therefore, basically, we see and we should see the rabbis as the leaders. But then when it, it's the state of Israel has been established and the chief rabbinate uh, was uh, much later in the 80s being constituted by law, it's got a, a sort of a, a frame of um, institutional um, organisms that work under certain law and, ha and have certain roles within the Israeli system. And therefore, it's made the rabbis, rather religious leaders, also and civil servants and put them by definition, in, in, in sort of an inherent contradiction between their obligation and uh, devotion to the Torah and laws of Israel, so, which obey to different system of values. It's, it's interesting because when I meet secular Jews and they relate to the rabbinate, they think mm -hmm. of the rabbinate like they think of the Department of Motor Vehicles. Just like right. I go to the Department of Motor Vehicles to get a driver's license, I go to the rabbinate to get my ketubah and to get, you know, not good or bad, it's just what it is. They yeah. don't see the, the, chief, the rabbi of their local community. Okay, if they have a funeral or he says a nice Tevar Torah, that's great. They mm -hmm. don't see them as a moral and spiritual leader. Is that role, definitely the services is written into the law. But is the role as serving as a spokesman or a leader, is mm -hmm. that written into the law or that, that's not part of the Israeli yeah. law? First of all, um, actually, um, none of the, most, most of the services that the chief government gives does not 
written law. There is the service, the, the religious service law basically established uh, uh, municipal uh, religious uh, councils, but not defined in any way what are their roles, or it's only been defined in very general terms. And therefore, it's not clear. But I think the strategy of the chief rabbinate and the local rabbis, including Rabbi Eliyahu, but others as well, is that they are today basically not relevant to the majority of the Jews in Israel. You're right, when you get, have to, when you get married and you have to register, you go to the chief rabbinate, the local rabbinate, and you can choose today if you want to go to your local rabbinate or different other office of the rabbinate and their kashrut system that being given by the um, religious councils and the rabbinate, local rabbinate and local rabbi. But basically the role of the rabbis as leaders, the religious leaders being lost. And I think, you know, I, I live today in uh, Givach Muel. Givach Muel is basically um, the majority are uh, religious Zionists. I think so. I mean, 60%, 70%, I don't know. But, but basically the, the majority today are religious. Who is the chief rabbi today here? He's, he's a very old guy. I know him in person. He's very important rabbi, but no one, no one already talked to him. He doesn't even live here. He's living in Nebrak. And it's go through many rabbi, local rabbis. I mean, the rabbis in Israel lost the role as uh, local leaders, religious leaders. There are communal rabbis. There are yeshivas rabbis, but the chief rabbinate rabbis are generally speaking, not really relevant to the life of the people where the, in the place they live in and in the state as well. I mean, the chief rabbis here in Israel, both Friday and Ashkenazi Friday is a bit different because Shas, but Ashkenazi one, nearly not relevant to anyone. Then we should say to Rav Shmuel Eliyahu, mm -hmm. that you, you feel that rather than just take a paycheck and offer services, you feel an obligation to, to speak your conscience. It'd be much easier for him to just stay quiet. Would it not? I mean, like, you know, we should not give him credit for trying to retain that, to reignite that value of religious leadership, even if people disagree. First of, first of all, um, I deeply um, no. disagree with most of, most of what Rabbi Shmuel says, uh, talking about these issues. But I deeply also uh, um, appreciate his role he took in the Israeli publicity and he wrote the role he, he, he took to himself as a leader, as a religious leader within the city of Sfat. And definitely he's a, a model for rabbis that involve and care and do things. And I think get a place or have a place as a leader, religious leaders, locally in Sfat and, and even more widely instead of Israel. It might be because he's more extremist and sound because of his extremism, but basically you're right. I appreciate his willingness uh, to confront uh, other values and to uh, echo what he believes to be the Torah. But here that we get to the uh, core decision, which basically uh, uh, declared that there are also a limitation for the speech of a rabbi if he's a civil servant. 
Okay, okay, so I want to ask, give it, turn it over to Molly to ask questions, and then we'll, we say we asked you for 15 minutes, and we're already at 15 minutes, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but I want each of Molly and Johnny to ask a question, and then just come back around to the, to the line okay. that the court described. Thank you. It's, Molly, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. Thank you very much for being here. So we really appreciate it tremendously. Um, so my understanding is, is, as you said it, is that this, um, the, um, the judge, right? He's, the Stein, is that how you pronounce his name? Um, so uh, the, the justice, justice. Chief justice. justice, so Chief Justice, 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 I don't know. Justice, justice yeah. Justice, justice Stein, I don't know how to pronounce mm -hmm. it. Right. Um, he kind of, there seems to be a question about whether this is a conservative decision or a liberal decision, because he sort of split the difference, right? On the one hand, um, he, 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 he basically made this distinction. He said, well, as a civil servant, his free speech is limited, but as a rabbi giving, which it seems to be what he's saying is, and this I actually find interesting also, he doesn't say giving his ideas about what Judaism is. He says giving psak halacha, he's speaking for the Torah, there his freedom of speech is not curbed, right? So right. I guess I have, I have three questions. You don't have to answer any of them or you can choose one. But my first question is, do you, how do you view this? Do you view this as a conservative or a liberal decision or maybe something in the middle? Um, the second question I have is, I, I happen to be a very strong proponent of free speech and I, and I had never thought, of, I, my instinct is always to support free speech mm -hmm. um, and to not curtail it as much as possible. And I'm just, I was just curious, I had never considered this, if you're a civil servant, then you have a responsibility because everybody's under your domain. And I was just curious what your feelings are about that. Just, you know, from, from your professional perspective, how you feel about that law. And the third question that I have, and I don't know if this is what's something you want to get into, but to, to define a rabbi, it does go back to what you were saying, to define a rabbi in this way is very narrow to say, well, he's, he's free as a rabbi to issue psak, right? He's, he's free to give halachic decisions. And that's where his free speech comes I think that that very much narrows what it means to be a rabbi because it narrows the rabbinic role to just their halachic decisions. Whereas I, I, when I think of a rabbi's expression, so that means now that everything a rabbi says, he has, it has to be halachic, like it has to be like a, a psak halacha. That to me seems to be a dangerous road to go on, which I don't know if the justices thought about, but I'm thinking about as a religious Jew, like that's not how I view, as you, you had described, that's not how I view a rabbinic leader. I, I don't view every single thing he says as psak halacha and to say, well, his freedom of speech is because of his psak halacha, something in there feels a little strange to me. So any yeah. of those, any of that that you would like to relate to those? I want to hear them all, I'm fascinated, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Solomon, do you No, no, to we're question? gonna go one at a time. Oh, okay, so, yeah. so, but, so basically, you know, I mean, basically you're right. Um, the court uh, took uh, you know, the, the midway between being a, a conservative and uh, less conservative. I think, you know, it's you, being criticized from both sides. One, one side, the conservative criticized him for intervening in uh, um, basically a judicial decision which considered to be a very non-conservative act from the, from the side of the court. And therefore, in this perspective, he wasn't really being uh, conservative, but on the other hand, and for that he'd been criticized by the court itself, in by Chayut, uh, mm -hmm. in the same court decision. 
Um, you're right. He actually said the limitation on speech is not on, on sort of a free speech of the rabbi. But if he stick to sources of the halacha, which means he give a, a detailed and explained halachic psak, it would be different. And there, and, and the court goes through the different uh, uh, phrases of different speeches of Rabbi Shmuel Yau and says, this one is more psak halacha, it's okay. This one is more political and uh, 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 declaration, it's not okay. He breaches his, he, he passed the red line. And therefore, he, the court being criticized for actually enabling or let rabbis give psakalacha in which might be contradicting, you know, might be racist, might be contradicting the um, law in Israel or values of the state of Israel, etc. etc. So it's really took the midway of being conservative and non-conservative. And I think what, what is more important and interesting here that the court not said that uh, such speech is prohibited. I mean, it's, the court is not dealing, and this, this is really important to emphasize, and I, I said it at the beginning, is not dealing with the question of freedom of speech. It's dealing with this question of freedom of speech of a rabbi that get its salary from the state. And he's saying, you know, Rabbi Elia, if you want the freedom of full freedom of speech in the body of the criminal law, penal law, it's fine. You just have to resign, and then you wouldn't be um, um, bind to different set of laws. And therefore, I think uh, the question is not a freedom of complete the freedom of speech here, but a bit different at question. And, and I think um, it's really. Uh, sharpen the dilemma of how to look at the rabbi. You're right. Whether the rabbi is only a technocrat that converting the halacha to a certain question and apply it, or a leader. And I think the court saying he is more a technician of halacha. If he is under his role as a civil servant, and if he want to be free. Like a politician, he's not a politician. He resigned and then he can say whatever he said. But the rabbi said, and the, uh, the state response was that a rabbi is more like a politician, leader. He's been elected leader. And this is the dilemma of the court, and court decide to one hand. Rabbi Johnny. Uh, so, again, thank you so, so much for being here, and we really appreciate and value your time. Um, through reading all the articles, I noticed two very different criticisms of Rav Shmuel Eliyahu. One raised by Rav Gilad Kariv, who was a reform rabbi who were among the parties who brought this case. He made the ar argument that Rav Shmuel Eliyahu is exploiting his public office, meaning this is an abuse of his position as chief rabbi, and it's offensive to uh, use such a position to portray ideas that offend people. That's how he brought the claim or how what was part of his case. Right. Uh, Ju Justice Stein seemed to say something slightly different, which is, as, as Mali correctly said, when you're giving a shiur to people who wish to hear your Torah, you can quote a, a chapter and verse from Shulchan Uch. It may be very offensive, but that's your right as a rabbi. But when you speak, as you say, 
as a public servant, as a, as a uh, civil servant, you have to consider the wide congregation to whom you are obliged to all the population of Tzvat, and you need to be considerate and not say things that upset them. But in just one, I suppose, uh, word, I hope worthy uh, observation. I give a course, as it happens in Midrash at Lindenbaum, titled Subjectivity and Halachic Decision-Making, which itself, if you imagine, is a very interesting course. Now, what the uh, Judge Stein seems to imply is, when you render halacha, your job is to give pure halacha, as if such a thing exists. By the way, I don't believe such a thing exists. Uh, but when you offer I, your John, opinion, I was going to say exactly. It comes from, I don't know, if, is Judge Stein a religious man? It comes from a very, very interesting perspective on what Judaism is about. Right, he makes a presumption about halacha, which is itself uh, a misnomer. But nevertheless, what he says is, if you offer your, well, when you're dealing with non-legal things, which I think can have a pure answer, which I think is incorrect, rather than offering your subjective opinion, which offends others, we want you to present a, our subjective opinion to please others. Meaning, he's not saying don't address some of the hot topics. He's saying when you do, say things that don't offend the masses. So really he's saying replace your subjectivity with our populist subjectivity. So I find... Uh, obviously, some of the statements he make are undoubtedly offensive, and I'm not comfortable as them being uttered as a representation of Jewish law. So I want to make that clear. Nevertheless, there is something quite unsettling about the claim that we want you to say things which fit a popular position, which may not be facts, as opposed to you saying your opinion, which may not be facts either. You're placing one absurdity, shall we say, with another absurdity. This is a pursuit not of religious leadership or courage or authenticity, but instead a pursuit of the chief rabbinate trying to be so, shall we say, relevant to the population that they never confront issues that perhaps need to be confronted according to the spirit of, at least from a Shmuel and Yao's perspective, Orthodox Judaism. So I'm just curious to hear whether you think I've, I've seen that right. Is this really, is this not a, just a crit critique of free speech, but also a pursuit of populism amongst religious leaders to, to make them basically public servants who say what people want to hear so that they don't offend, but in so doing diluting, as you say, the whole notion of a rabbi? You know, again, it, it's really a question of um, how do you... Uh, decide to see uh, the role of a rabbi, a municipal rabbi. Um, I think the court took a position uh, stating that he is obliged to the community at large, not only mm -hmm. the people that come to the Bet Midrash, and therefore have the, should have the sensitivity of what to say, right? what not to say, because he's basically uh, serving the rest of the population, the secular, the, the LGBT community, the our community, every community that are living in his municipality and basically uh, um, consume yeah, his, his speech. And therefore, this is basic, basically what core decided. It's definitely could and might be should be criticized and being criticized as you mentioned in the beginning by many other rabbis because you know rabbis say guys we we really 
not standing here for ourselves. We are standing here for what we consider to be the halacha, what we consider to be what Judaism is about. And if Judaism is about rejecting uh, um, um, LGBT community or rejecting other things, it doesn't necessarily seems to be uh, politically correct today. Still, this is Judaism in our perspective. And I think the uh, dilemma is here is serious because, um, you know, if we take a wider perspective of the question, there is a contradiction between Judaism and state or Judaism and liberal values in many cases. And then the question would be whether as a state would you would like to uh, put some uh, guidance to rabbis on what they should and should not say, even though they believe in what they are saying. Now, I want to sharpen the dilemma because it's a real one. Let's not talk about LGBT, which is easier, but you know, you, you are all Tamidah Chachamim and we know all the Torah. And we know that there are some very problematic views within the Torah toward minorities and toward uh, women and, um, and you know toward procedure court procedures. And I can give many ex examples. And then what, what do you do with, with these uh, uh, things? You know, there's been a very famous case, a legal case of the Torah Tamelech. This uh, shoot that called to, uh, that basically allowed or even command to kill non-Jews. What, what we're doing with such psakalacha, uh, which you, the, the rabbi, what, what are the name? I don't remember, said it's it's my psakalacha. Okay? So should you put some uh, uh, borders on the freedom of speech of religious people? And let's take it out of Judaism to Islam. You know, Islam is a bit more aggressive religion. I'm also ex an, an, an expert to Islamic law. I'm the only person in Israel who both a rabbi and a kadi. Um, no, really, but, but my PhD dealt with Islamic law, okay? Islamic law is very um, cruel in some cases. Isn't the border, though, uh, incitement? I mean, the Torah Melech, it was, it was bordering on literal incitement, where someone could take that out of, not out of context, that in context, and use it to justify acts of violence. Whereas I think that Ravaliyao is espousing, there's a difference between that and espousing values. You know, it, it is interesting. Now, even like you see cases in Yerushalayim where the Iriyah of Yerushalayim wouldn't even allow an ad that they felt to be uh, insulting to the LGBT community because mm -hmm. every ad of promoting values, even an ad that said, you know, mishpacha, uh, family is a husband and a wife, that was, they consider that to be an incitement to violence. I, I think that that, that, I think many religious Jews found that quite insulting to say, I can't promote my values because somebody will find that insulting and therefore that's incitement. You, you know, there's a, there's a slippery slope here that's not that slippery, yeah, very dangerous. I definitely agree. I mean, I definitely agree that there's a slippery slope and, and the question is really uh, crucial because, you know, uh, on the other hand, and I assume, I don't know which one of you are from Benchemish, but recently, uh, uh, ultra-Orthodox rabbis from the Pelagio uh, Shalmo, whatever it is in Benchemish, um, succeeded to raise women names from uh, mm -hmm. uh, street names in Bichemish, okay? 
Would you agree? And and if you ask them, this is a halacha. Would you agree to that? So I I definitely agree uh, that this the, the modern Orthodox yeah. mayor apparently agreed with it. So I mean, <laughs> I know. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it, it's really uh, there is no uh, one answer and the right answer for these questions. It's a um, an ongoing uh, debate in the Israeli public arena and Israeli legal system and courts for many years. And I think the answer is being changed from time to time. But definitely we should be uh, sensitive and aware to the implication of this core decision and to the um, basic questions raised towards the questions to many for uh, the question of the freedom of speech from one hand, on freedom from, of religion on, on the other hand, uh, as a freedom of religion of uh, acting rabbis, nominated rabbis by the state civil servants, and the basic contradiction and collision between state um, Judaism and liberalism and democracy values as, as usual. Okay, I want to ask you one final question. Yeah. Uh, this is just a, for my own understanding. Uh, uh, Judge Stein, who who appointed him? Meaning, and does I would have expected if if everything they complain about in the court is that it's all left in this activist court, I would have expected the court, as uh, as Chief Justice Chayut insisted, that they should you know insist on on criminal proceedings or what have you. So this does this decision, as upset as you know some religious people are, does it signify a shift? At least to the center on the behalf of the Supreme Court in Israel, or you know, is it uh, not? I don't know. I, that's my perception. You know, uh, Justice Time been nominated by Al Shaked, okay, and considered to be a very conservative uh, justice. And right after the court decision, uh, someone tweeted that uh, you know, you see, uh, Al Shaked not not necessarily nominated a conservative rabbi because he intervened. In a, a, a sort of a judicial decision of, of other uh, authority, so I mean, it's it's not you know you're American, right? Yeah. Um, and it's like in the state. I mean, not what not. I'm not actually Israeli, but I'm from America originally. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, sorry. <laughs> but, but but anyway, not necessarily when you nominate a conservative justice, you get a conservative decisions, and vice versa. So I mean, but this is definitely the, more conservative than we would have yeah, gotten yeah, had. Yes, I don't there are other decisions that, that can can prove that Alchek uh, done right, and he's more conservative. Not necessarily this one, but but the question of whether the court of Israel is changing, I, I think yes. I mean, the more religious justices and the more conservative justices and decision, even uh, if it's a, a, a minority. And are, are looks different. They have uh, some weight in the court, and I assume, and you know, if you're following politics, that you will it con continue to be changed because uh, the tendency of the, the politics in Israel is right wing and more conservative. And the I think major question of the Israeli politics today is this question of the role and the place of the. Uh, Court, the High Court of Justice, and the court system, and the law within the uh, state and the um, institutional uh, um, activity of the state. And therefore, I, I assume and predict that we will see more changes in the court toward more conservative court. 
Wow. Okay. Thank you so, so much. I want to thank Dr. Shuki Friedman again. He is director of the Center for Religion, Nation, and State at the Israel Democracy Institute. What a treat for us to have you. We wish you a moadin le simcha and thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. time. We really, really appreciate it. And just as a technical note, if you could be in contact with Johnny to send us the recording on your phone and then we'll splice it all together. Thanks so much. Thank you guys. Thank you. Wow. How's that for a first guest? That's really amazing. Okay, um, we're going to continue our discussion in light thereof, in light of Dr. Freeman's comments and uh, the, the the implications. What I found so fascinating, Molly, is the way he described it. Like, I didn't thought about think think about that. That the court, even this conservative court, defined a rabbi as like you know a posek and uh, you know the guy who and it's so Israeli and and. And so I, 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 I understand people bristling about that, but how do you change that perception? How do you change a perception of what a rabbi is supposed to be? That was a question. I, I, yeah, I, I, if I had the answer, I think, you know, um, whoever has the answer to that probably no, has- I happen to think Rav Shmuel Eliyahu is the answer. We don't agree with his politics. I don't know, you. Right. I don't no, agree no, with no. his There's politics. There's truth to that. There's but what, what, that. what Dr. Correct. Friedman said so upset me. It's so frustrating. He's like, I know the rabbi of Ramakan, but he lives in B'nai Brak. He's a nice guy. Like, how, how is that? How is that even possible? How, like, you don't have to live there. I actually used to think you have to live there. You don't have to live there, but you have to represent your community. You have to speak out on behalf of your community. You have to be actively involved. And we have this situation where like there's this entrenched rabbi, it's a job literally for life. The, the rabbi can never be replaced, almost like a Supreme Court of the United States of America. And, and, and there's this total disconnect between the rabbi, I, I don't know how to solve that problem. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think that's, it, it's, um, I forgot what I was gonna say, but I, I think, listen, I think the whole, the whole question of the rabbinate and what its role should be and how much weight we should give it. Like, oh, I was gonna say, this is what I was gonna say is that I think it's important that everybody recognize that Shmuel Eliyahu, and again, I think we, we can also say that we all uh, disagree with and condemn certain of the more, um, I would, you know, what, what's the word I would say? What's both in English? Um, I'm not going to say condemn. I'm not here to condemn anybody. Okay, I, I think that we would disagree with some of the things that he has said. I would find some of his phrasing, I think it's counterproductive, I would say. Okay, however you want to say it. But it's also important to understand that this is a man, and as you said, actively uh, involved with the Tzfat community. And he is, th that's how he's known. He's known as unusual as a, as a, as a, um, as a, as a rabbi in his role, because he doesn't just sit back and view himself as a technocrat. He actually cares about um, the larger so social and sociological issues. Um, and listen, the issues that I think are most fascinating are the issues again of like free speech, religion, freedom of religion, when it's protected, when it's not protected. I think it's really interesting that, that this backdoor question that, that you're pointing to and that we spoke about of the role of the rabbi is like sitting in the middle of the heart of this that it's, you know, it's like it kind of snuck in there in the back door where it's such an important question. But, but it's the heart of the issue. I know, that's why this case is so fascinating. That's why, yeah. it, you know, it's Johnny, like- Johnny, how, how do we get rabbis? Yeah, uh, let's say, Johnny, yeah. I would think, I'm saying, Johnny, how do we get, like, do we need, maybe, maybe Molly's right, there's no way, maybe there's no solution and we don't need technocrat rabbis. We can hire rabbis, you know, as there are plenty of people who are good at what they do in their role. I mean, is there any way to solve this problem of having a rabbi be a spokesman and, and, and actually say things that motivate people? I, I don't see it. What do you think? I mean, you can dismantle the chief rabbinate. That's an option. Well, 
listen, I, I personally yeah. have a certain romantic attitude to at least certain time periods of the chief rabbi that I see as role models, people that I was, whose Torah I've, I've made time to learn and where possible I tried to meet. My role models were Chaim Davidalevi, who was a Swadi mm -hmm. chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, whose, whose writings not just speak to me, but spoke to the masses. And that's represented yeah. by the fact that many, many people from the most religious to the least religious felt that they could talk but to him and felt that he was talking to their situation. Totally agree. But did he have to be the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv to, to One second, Rav Shayash of Cohen, Cohen in Haifa, who I was blessed to mm -hmm. meet and receive blessings from on a number of occasions. The same thing. Somebody who was respected by all, who made time for everybody. And Rav Simcha Cook in Rehobot in a very, very similar way. Most other chief rabbis of towns in Israel and cities in Israel, unfortunately, have created ivory towers for themselves, growing the, the growing cynicism against religious figures and the rabbinate and the, the resistance that religious leaders should have any uh, spokesmanship in non-halachic matters, which has been stimulated by the role of religious leaders in the Knesset and the, the mix of religion and politics means that People say, I, I, you may be a nice guy, but I don't want you in most of my life. So there were people like Hamid Al-Abi, like Shaya Shavko and like Rav Simcha Kuk, whose personality, whose perseverance, whose loyalty, whose dedication, whose sensitivity, basically, meant that they chose to hold their tongue at certain times, even though they felt probably the same things in certain aspects as of Shmuel Eliyahu. And they said, my job is to be a, 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 a uh, inspiration, is to be a guide, is to be a leader for the masses. And if it means that there are times when I silence myself for that purpose, because my job is to make sure that as many people are eating kosher, as many people feel that they can observe Shabbat, then I'll do so. Or Shmuel Eliyahu has taken a different tack, which is though he puts in the hours and everybody admits that he's somebody who engages in lots of conversations, he seems to be prepared to say, and I'm not speaking for him, but this is what uh, Rav Shoki was saying and what all the articles have, have, have noted. He seems to be prepared to speak his conscience even at the cost of alienating some of his population. Now that's a choice the courts have said it's not a choice he can take while being chief rabbi. But there are other people who took a different choice and I think they weren't uh, threatened with the kind of court action he is. So the world he, he's is not worried now. about the court. He's not worried about the court. He's either. not worried about the court. But nevertheless, the very fact that such in, indicting statements, let alone indictments or, or threatened indictments, can be made about chief rabbi whose job it is to lift the heart to the population is deeply troubling. Now, wait, 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 I, I'm wait, wait, well aware. Wait, I want to push back. You said his job is to lift the hearts, lift the hearts of the population. I mean, like it's interesting. I have to say, I go back and forth between these two sides. On the one hand, you have like Rabbi Sorel Mayor Lau, who just like everybody, you hear him and he makes you feel good and whatever. And he, but but I always but some part of me says, okay, but do we really? I mean, he's a beautiful functionary and it makes everybody feel good. But it, you know, like is that really the role of the rabbi? And then Shmuley gets up and he says, the Torah represents this and this is a value and we have to build a Jewish state and we have to worry about Jewish lives. And if you and, and if somebody throws a rocket, you know what I'm saying, like. He talks about these things in a way that reflect the values 
that, well, that reflects uh, I just got in a, I just and there's, a, there's, there's a combativeness about him, and I go both ways. I really go both that may ways. be the case. First and foremost, I'm not ignoring the fact that this case was brought not just by some neutral party, but there is an agenda at play here too. And to ignore that would be uh, very, very naive. But moreover, let's go to Ravlau for a second. His Chubot Yachel Israel are extraordinary. They speak in halachic terms and they speak with halachic strength. But what he's able to do is, when speaking in that world, he does so uh, you know, unapologetically. But he's not always in that world and he needs to adapt to the wider platforms in which he's been privileged uh, to be at. And I believe that that's what the role of a chief rabbi needs to do, which is, uh, it's not, and, and I don't take the position of uh, Justice Stein that says only when you're talking halacha. No, when you're talking Torah, talk Torah, but talk Torah in a way of being concerned of your audience. Now, there's a very famous, just quickly say, you're like, you're just modeling it after the British rabbinate that you know that's supposed to bring the beauty no, of the it's also Johnny's personality. No, but, yeah. Which is fine. But, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not know, criticizing that. You know, that. the Marshal has this famous remark that uh, why why was it that the, the Rabbanim during the uh, the Roman persecutions didn't hold back what they wanted to say, notwithstanding the threat that that led to their positions. And he says, because to, to deny Torah is valuable. Now that's a, an outline position that's been discussed at great length in later halachic literature. But Bagadol, when you're chief rabbi of Israeli towns and cities, you are constantly, like every single rabbi, making shikulim. You're saying, what's the right thing to say? Every religious leader, I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody, but I answer the odd question and answering meaningful questions involves shikulim of what's right to say, what's wrong to say, what's smart to say, what's best to say in, a, in an undertone. And if there is a reasonable criticism of Shmuel Eliyahu, I mean, we're not, it's not reasonable for us to judge him here, but this whole uh, episode is worthy of a conversation and it's happening in the Bagat, so we need to be discussing that. If that's to be the case, the reason is because he's chosen to take a stance, which, as Shuki said, is his right, but not necessarily is his right when taking a paycheck as a civil servant in Israel. I, I, I want to agree with Johnny. I certainly agree with you that what a chief rabbi should do, and maybe this is as a sort of as opposed to what Ruby is saying. I, I agree with you that like not everything you can say, you should say. And I think that our um, religious leaders, especially when you're you're leading a population that don't all think like you, worship like you, believe like you, I think that we we do much better, I think, in general as um, um, as, as a religious role models, we do much better when we take the approach that Johnny is advocating for. Um, at the same, yeah, and I, but then, but then all you get wait, wait, platitudes are feel good platitudes. Wait, 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 let me finish my whole point. And that, cause I, I, I agree with you. Uh, the reason I'm concerned though, is that I think that, um, that's in the, in, in the, in the, in the theoretical of what you should do. Right. But then there's the question of really, what are you allowed to do? Right. And I mm -hmm. think that that we really, do, I think that we have to take very seriously, both as 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 like advocates of of, of a of a state that's going to be a, a state of freedom, and as people who believe in religious liberty, we have to take very seriously the question of curtailment of 
of uh, freedom of speech. For, and I'll give you a different example from the other side, right? There's a- yeah, But Molly, he was talking about as, gonna, a, as a civil finish. servant. Wait, wait, I understand, I understand, which is why I'm saying that like, um, that's why that's so interesting to me. It's like the kind of get out of jail free card. Well, you're a civil servant and therefore you have to be careful. But I still like, I still think like we have to keep our eye very closely on the free speech issue because, and, and again, I want to give the, this example of the Hayyuddin um, Baim case. Mm -hmm. This is a TV show um, that is extremely offensive to to religious jewelry. I've never seen it, but this is like I can't. I'm afraid I, I'm not going to watch it because I know it's just going to make me angry and upset. I believe that um, we should be very careful about saying they can't say it. Should they say it? Maybe they shouldn't. Right. The same way the chief rabbi maybe shouldn't say what he's saying. Can they say it? That's a whole different question. And, and there we have to be very careful. And maybe the same question applies, right? Maybe because they're on a government channel, maybe that would be a different, maybe they would have less freedoms, right? The same way a civil servant. I don't know. I don't know enough about that case. I'm just saying, I think we have to be super, super careful when it comes to freedom of speech, because as Ruby was saying, it's all well and good when um, there, there isn't really a lot at stake, right? It's all well and good when, um, there, there, there aren't things that, that are pe people are being suppressed from saying that we feel need to be said from a religious perspective. But what happens when that when, when we do actually want to say something, right? And, and there actually is a conflict between what we want to get up and say, and we've created a society that curtails our freedom of speech. I don't think we want to go down that path, or I think we want to be very careful about going down that path. And so I, I definitely agree with you about what he should be saying. I just think the question of what he should be allowed to be saying, I think um, we should be very, very careful about what we allow, what, what we don't allow people to say. I think that um, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous path. And I'm not saying that in this case, that's why I'm so interested in, I'm very interested in this, in this angle that says, you know, well, you're a civil servant, right? And therefore you have to be accessible to all and therefore you can't create an atmosphere that's uncomfortable. But okay, then all civil servants are held to that standard, right? That's what, when I asked somebody what they thought of the case, I said, well, the test case is, are they gonna ask all civil servants, right? To hold themselves to the same standards as they're gonna be holding chief rabbis to. So- Oh, they would have to. Obviously it was brought by the I'm just saying, movement. I think politics, the, 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 the issue here of free speech, freedom of speech and freedom of religion as values, I think we have to, I think these are important. We have to keep our eye on this. These are very- Molly, this is, this is a totally different, it's a related topic, but- that I, I feel the exact same way when they talk about closures and they, you know, how they close shuls. But if, but if you want to have protests, no, no, we have to be able to protest because, because democracy is, you know, freedom of uh, for the freedom of speech is like one of the ultimate values of democracy. You know, like in most democracies, free religion is way up there also, and people don't seem to think that's nearly as important. I, I really feel the same way that, like, you right. know, but there's but a there hierarchy counter just because you can, even if you could argue that they can. But maybe we shouldn't. That's where I'm with Johnny. Okay, so maybe you're you can make that argument that you have the right to assemble, but maybe you shouldn't, right? And maybe I would say the same thing to the protesters. Maybe you can, but maybe you shouldn't right now. But but you're right. It's a fascinating question of like, when do we say to the government you're allowed to intervene? Like, what what are our highest values? It's just these are really, and so that's why that's why I think it's great that we had somebody on who who's an expert in these issues, even though you know there's obviously so many still answered question unanswered questions because. These are questions that are not simple and they cut to the core of, of how you create a, um, you know, whatever you want to call this, a democratic state. <laughs> That's the, you're uh, struggling religious to figure out what you say. What are we? I want to know, an unconstitutional democracy? What are we? What is Israel? I don't know. That's the problem. You know, Johnny, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I, I, I don't think I was sufficiently clear in raising my point. It wasn't quite a question of Shuki, but this question of populism. You know, I think it's not that we don't want, in this case of Shmuel Eliyahu to speak, we just want him to be saying the things that don't annoy us, and ideally saying the things that make us happy. And so, uh, you know, as somebody who believes that the role of a rabbi is to be a leader, but also is to be an inspiration, I, I think that people have to make choices, leaders have to make choices, and sometimes hold their tongue. Nevertheless, uh, as you both know, I'm somebody who is staunchly loyal to, to living halakha and, and speaking halakha, um, and I feel that there is a, a very unsettling uh, manipulation taking place here, as if to say, you can speak things which aren't written in the book, but as long as it's what we want you to be saying, not written in the book, not you, what you want. I think to, to quash the personality that you hired as a personality, seems to be uh, a little bit um, uh, d disingenuous because I'm quite sure that this wouldn't occur with respect to other public servants. And overall, uh, I think there are a whole many other questions like you said, we haven't yet quite, uh, quite addressed this session. What I'm pleased though is that we've had this opportunity to talk about something which has been in the press a little bit, um, but it hasn't received the attention I think it should have been we're talking about one particular leader, but the principle here replies to all religious leaders, and in many ways, all public servants, which is how much can you speak your conscience, you know, when you're receiving a salary from the state? And uh, Dusty Stein says, only when you are speaking to a limited crowd, but when you're speaking to everybody, you need to speak according to what they want to hear. And uh, listen, I'm not uh, satisfied with that. That's not exactly how he said it, but we understood no, but the way what said, Johnny's saying, Johnny's saying is the more people I, you a, speak to, I, the more likely you are going to be to offend someone. So what's the I want to know, like Rabbi Liao can't just say, I am giving the Right, so Rabbi Liao could just get up and say, my psak halacha is that Judaism right. feels X, and then he's covered. Right, and is that the path we want to go on, that we're going to create, we're going to more halachasize um, hashkafa? I don't, that's but, not But I, I, don't, I don't think that's true, because don't forget, Judge Stein is also a lawyer. I mean, just to give you one further thing, I recently read a so-called ruling to permit what I would say to be uh, utterly halakhally unjustified behaviors during corona, but because somebody called it psak, does it make it halakha? And the answer is to me, of course not. That's ridiculous. You know, basically you're addressing Wait, something. Didn't we up. say we were not going to talk about this topic? It wasn't the thing you, did, you didn't want to talk about today. <laughs> no, the, the key issue is just because you call it a psak doesn't necessarily make it so. So, uh, and I think Justice Stein is, is smart enough to know that as well. So there is a narrowing here. We're not trying to broaden rabbis to always be speaking about halakha. They're trying to narrow rabbis to only speak about this so-called pure halakha, which, as I say, is itself a bit of a uh, misnomer nonetheless. Okay, so we didn't talk about, which we need, need to talk about at some future date, or more like we always talk about, is this, we didn't flesh out this, this question of, you know, the role of the of, of the rabbinate in Israel with this quagmire. And we didn't talk about it at the local level either, which I do want to get into not today. Uh, you know, what's the role of a local rabbi, even religious communities where there's religious diversity. And the more granular you get, then you speak to this community, you speak to that community and, and, and how complicated it is. May, I, I personally am in favor of a rabbinate. I believe in the religious services part, 
but maybe we don't need, maybe, maybe it just does need to be a technocrat, to be truthfully honest. We don't need rabbis who are leaders. Everybody has their own leaders, their own religious leaders. And the religious leaders that we want to find, no matter across the public, will bubble to the top. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. It's something, to, it's something to, really, to really think about. I'll just quickly say what's interesting over the last six months is, and, and I was just bearing this mind about uh, in preparing something else altogether, which religious figures have been most prominent in taking a leadership uh, position regarding Corona? And so I'd say not the most obvious ones. In fact, no, that's right. We were discussing this not so long ago, right? Meaning you'd think that the people whose job it is would be the most vocal. And I don't think that's necessarily been the case. You know, I'd say Rav Asher White has been speaking a lot more than other rabbis, even though he doesn't have a formal role within the chief rabbi, and yet he's been much more influential in Israel than many other formal leading uh, uh, speakers. Yes yeah, so or no, I'm well aware. The now, maybe maybe in our little Anglo bubble, no, but at least he's speaking. Who else is speaking? Who else is speaking? I've seen videos of Rabbi, I've seen Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, he's just not in my, he's not in my, uh, he's not know, in my, but, in my uh, atmosphere. He yeah, is uh, telling people to wear a mask and Ishub Skelacha and the Rabbi Rashi. I know, yeah, but Rosh Weiss is giving shiurim. He, I, I think John is right that that. Um, I'm just curious if you ask the average Israeli, like who, which rabbis do you hear? Do you like? The see point is, it's not I'm curious. They, if you have no idea, the difference is you're hearing this, I'm hearing that. But if somebody's a chief rabbinate rabbi, it shouldn't be they accidentally got that WhatsApp message from him. It should be the front page of every newspaper. Right. That's not happened. I mean, truth be told, I see it's Rav Rimon. He's right. the one issuing the, the booklets and the nah, and The truth all, is, it's all fair. Rav, Rav Lau, on a couple of occasions, has given some pretty good guidance about very specific questions. But Rav Rimon uh, was outstanding in terms of guidance he gave. And I, by the way, we are sons rabbi in our community. So I've been part of the rabbinical board uh, making decisions about the tefillot and the guidance of Imon put out was it saved me tens of hours of, of research in terms of thinking certain things through and he was a lifesaver, genuine lifesaver for me and I know many other people in different communities so it, it's, it's been a very interesting thing there's a difference between people who have power and people who have influence and I think certain, the claim is a chief rabbi has power and you shouldn't abuse that power but in fact, and putting aside Rosh Mollelel, who has a very, very meaningful following, a lot of people who don't have so-called power actually have tremendous influence. And we've seen that. Yeah, uh, that, that just raises the question, a should a person have power just because he has power? What's the point of his power if he's not using it for influence? Anyhow, that's, uh, there's much more to say. I think it was a great, I would like to thank Dr. Friedman for coming on our show. Uh, I think it was really great. God willing, we, we'd like to, if you're still with us, we, we'd like to hear from our, our listeners uh, get your feedback about issues you'd like us to discuss, as well as if you have personalities you'd like us to suggest. We'd very much uh, appreciate your feedback because why not? We want to hear what everybody uh, has to say. Uh, and people, as we've seen, are not bashful on commenting on Facebook, and we value their input and, uh, and their feedback as well. Uh, I want to thank Molly Bravsky and uh, Johnny Solomon. Wish all of you a mo'adim l'simcha. Everyone should stay safe out there. Follow the hanchayot, and please take care of yourself. Uh, no, Gamar Katimatov, we're done with that. Chag Zamech. Chag Zamech.